Pizza Noah by Everyday Book Three, Chapter Twelve. Air support. It was about midnight by now. The next quick pickoff involved Becca Bloody Roller's snappy work in an elevator. The evil furry culprit had stowed away on the short lift with two young women. Before it could wolverize the young ravers, she fried it with her white lightning. When the elevator doors opened on the ground floor, Chapel and Crimson were there waiting as Becca had instructed them to do, and they beheld a smoldering, demised monster. The two young, near victims immediately took off in a dead sprint without looking back. Becca stepped out, gave a wave at the deceased beast, which then vanished, leaving only the ambient odor of patchouli and some thin, light, wispy, and quickly dissipating smoke. One by one, a leisurely, flat-footed effort by the rollers and their escorts greased the remaining fuzzies at the Coliseum. The last couple of them were somewhat more troublesome to dispatch, because by that point, a few of the land-going sharks had manifested and were accompanying the furries. Suddenly thereafter, what looked like it was going to have been an easy night's work became significantly more complex, at least philosophically. The sharks had always been more mysterious than the werewolf ladies because the sharks were less definable in their nature, origin, content, and intent. Moreover, compounding their potential dangerousness was the lack of clarity regarding their role with respect to the black dog women in the first place. It seemed that they were somehow answerable to the werewolves, or perhaps it is more accurate to say that somehow their own leadership had been compromised and thus the wolves were able to control them either at their furry convenience or at some various random incidental times and locations. But on this night, their role and relationship was made evident. Dusty and Rainy spotted the first shark sign, and more or less the entire hunting party was gathered together since by that time there were but few of the wolfy targets left at the stadium. The two last furries had partnered up, having sensed somehow through their wretched doggy skulls, that the others of them had been sniped. First, it looked almost like a human form, occupying the shadows and crevices in near proximity to the wolf ladies, a sort of trout-faced man, which, of course, seemed seems reasonable enough for the average guy on the street, but at a second glance, their numbers were in flux. There were several, then only one, then a handful again. It was like they were shoaling among the local metaphysical terrain. Also, betraying their alien nature was their obvious luminous blue, turquoise bodies. It was not clear whether they were or were not wearing clothes, as they seemed to be cloaked in some sort of insubstantial, briny nether garment, right? Basically, they were shifting, watery shadow figures. Anyway... After Dusty zapped and fried the second-to-last remaining target, several of the deep blue devils then manifested immediately in a sort of zone defense perimeter around the final remaining wolf bag at Raider Stadium, and they began to make rapid-fire, darting, lunging assaults at the nonchalant group of attackers. As the first targeted wolfwoman fried in the bright, swirling, multicolored vortex of fire, Dusty redirected her attention to the other one, and soon it, too, burst into a glorious plasmatic fireball. And when it did, it was as if the land-going shark being somehow seemed to be released from a kind of invisible fetter as they stopped acting on behalf of or in defense of the wicked wolf women abruptly. And they quit hiding, too. Suddenly they were visible and they were everywhere. 
with a more pleasant countenance than they had put forth in their previously encumbered disposition. Well, that all seemed fine, but about five minutes later, the werewolf hunting party, as well as the occupants of the entire stadium, were taken by surprise. First, there was a subtle vibration, then it became more and more pronounced, until every damn elementary particle vibrated in response. And all of the people and all of the walls throughout the air and everywhere else then came a glow not from above but from all around, behind, above, and below in all directions. And after several minutes, the vibration throttled back to a far more subtly perceptible meter. It was beautifully and strangely silent as people strained to hear whether the transcendent vibrations continued. Meanwhile, the ambient holistic light shifted from a somewhat harsh higher band frequency to a more mellow, nearly sun-colored range. Randy looked up, and without breaking her gaze, she poked Dusty, who was standing next to her, having just finished incinerating the last two wolf rats in the house. Then they both quietly observed the event above them. Soon everyone in the venue were all respectfully viewing the astonishing contents of the sky above them. It was a mothership unavoidably impressive in scope by scale comparison with local celestial bodies and this one was clearly a shark's mama the beings floated skittered flipped danced and tarried at varying paces in groups and singly up in the general direction of the vessel until they all had disappeared into the distance between the stadium and the skirts of the the, uh, the spacecraft all perfectly quiet though and then it was gone, as are all the sharks, at least for now.